The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Tired of diesel buses? Want more cycle lanes or bus lanes? Which projects do you want Auckland Transport to work on first? They need your opinion. So head to haveyoursay.at.govt.nz forward slash RLTP to do just that. Consultation closes on 17 June. Get in quick. Welcome to Gone by Lunchtime, a special uh, emergency podcast uh, following news that has just reached us that Donald Trump has become the 45th President of the United States of America. As luck would have it, one of our high-level operatives, Ben Thomas, uh, from Exceltium Communications, was in Washington, D.C. for the event. He's written some pieces on the spin-off website, and we're about to give him a call and see whether we can get some skinny from him now. Hello. Ben, it's Toby. Can you hear me? How's it going? It's I'm 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 very well. How how are you? I can hear you loud and um, sort of you know half clear, clear enough. Um, We're speaking across oceans. We're speaking across emotional oceans in many ways too, um, as a human race. How 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 are you? We're we're, speaking between the past and the present. The. Tell, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a busy couple of days. You, we're now sort of two days in, in and on a scale of um, uh, not great zero to great 100, how great has America been made again? Uh, it's raining for the first time. Um, let me just open the door to uh, the outside. Yeah, it's, it's raining and yesterday it was very misty. So mm. I don't know if it's the swamp evaporating. Maybe that's just a necessary kind of precondition mm. to its drainage. Mm. Um, but I, let, let, let's, give it, let's give it a cautious eight. I think you'll find that it's not raining at all. Um, as Donald Trump announced to CNN, the sun came out during the inauguration speech. <laughs> um, and and there's, there's been a bit of this, of this in, already with the Sean Spicer, who's the, the press spokesman for the president, the new press spokesman, um, emerging and saying that black is white and up is down. Have you been following all that? What do you make of it? Yeah, um, the, the, that's an interesting one. Um, I got into trouble with um, political nerd bore Wellington Twitter um, this morning uh, when I said on Morning Report that one thing you don't do as a press secretary on your first day is contradict your boss. Um I think Sean Spice has obviously been put in a pretty difficult position. Um, when, when you're a press secretary, you know, you're a spokesperson um, for the politician. You're not a kind of public ombudsman um, kind of arbitrating disputes or anything or fact-checking. Um, so if the, if the president lies, then your line is lying. Um, I mean, this is presumably going to create quite a lot of cognitive dissonance for him, and I'd <laughs> I'd expect that Trump will probably go through quite a few precincts um, mm. in his tenure. Mm. Um, it's, but I mean, it, it, it's a pretty deliberate tactic, isn't it? The, the administration has decided they're just not going to deal with the press at all. They're going to try and speak directly to the public the way that Trump did during the campaign through Twitter, through rallies, um, and and. And yeah, by denying the, the sort of objective reality of what's happening, and I mean, and, and you know, t- depending on the outcome of his policies, um, 
you know, you can expect that there'll be some pretty pretty deleterious economic effects if he does, in fact, start putting up the walls in terms of trade again. Um, and you, you know, so so you you really probably do need um, a bit of a non-fact based narrative uh, to fall back on, I guess. Uh, for the, for those people who haven't been following it closely, um, uh, the the argument was about the size of the crowd um, that turned up on inauguration day, um, and Trump, as channeled through his uh, spokesman Spicer, got very cross, threw lots of toys out of his pram, and said it was that that it was the the the, the statement, if I recall correctly, was this was the biggest inauguration day audience period. Um, it just seems yeah yeah. Which is, which- which of course is nonsense. I mean, you were there. You um, were there, Ben. You were there on the on the, in the on the Capitol. Yeah, that's right. So to, I, I think some crowd experts have generously sort of said that to Trump it may have seemed like there were one and a half million people because of his perspective, um, because of course the you know <laughs> the, the crowd did go quite a long way back, um, but. Uh, you know, in the, in the section that I was in, which was a, a ticketed section, um, I would sort of say it was generously about sort of a quarter to a third full, depending on how tightly people would be squeezed in mm. if there was a real crowd. Mm. Um, but but these are the ones, you know, this this was the sort of area that the inauguration websites were saying, you know, send, send in your application for tickets, but don't count on anything um, because, you know, space is limited. So, uh, and behind us, you know, we, we thought, oh, you know, poor saps in the uh, in the freestanding areas, uh, sort of open access areas behind us. Um, but what the aerial photos showed was actually that was just a sort of crust pushed up against the fence um, and predominantly empty behind that. Um, there's, there's no question. I went on the Women's March uh, yesterday and much, much bigger crowd, um, you know, flying onto the side streets, bystanders, surrounding parks, you know, just an enormous turnout um, as opposed to the, the inauguration, which, you know, by New Zealand standards, very big turnout, but um, but didn't really swamp the centre of the city the same way the Women's March did. And it had you wrote about, you've, writ, you've written about it for the spin-off uh, website, and you, it sort of seemed to be a relatively, I don't know, sombre mood. Would that be fair or is that overstating it during the inauguration, that is? I, I don't know that sombre uh, would be quite right, but certainly, um, certainly, I, I mean, we've been, you know, I came primed um, with, you know, news coverage of these giant Trump rallies and, you know, sort of rhetorical and emotional fireworks. Um and what what it's what it seemed to be was there was a bit of a I thought a lack of purpose. Um, you know, I wasn't in there with the hardcore Trump supporters. They were all up the front. Mm. Um, you know, people who were actually organised and involved in the campaign. Um, but but there didn't really seem to be that sort of um, intense emotional energy. Um, you know, that we were kind of you know getting during the campaign almost kind of you know that question of you know the dog chases the car every day and what happens when it finally catches it mm. um you know there, there there was none of that sort of um ebullience or excitement um you know when you know a lot of uh, trump trump supporters you know sort of met and talked and you know it, it sort of found you know once they didn't have the fight anymore um you know, there wasn't a lot to talk about. You know, the, the most of the conversations were sort of, yeah, he's, he's just the right, he's just the right man we need, yeah, a businessman, yeah, exactly the right candidate. Mm. And they just sort of trail off awkwardly and sort of like look in the other direction. Yeah. 
Um, and what about the speech itself? I, I think you said you didn't stay for all of it, but I mean, did was it was it something you expected? I found it watching it sort of um, semi-conscious uh, on early on Saturday morning New Zealand time to be pretty kind of mean-spirited and sort of isolationism over exceptionalism and then not a lot else. Like I was surprised there wasn't even, in, in, his, in his victory speech, um, you know, after uh, Hillary Clinton conceded, there was a bit more we must unify sort of, sort of material, but there wasn't much of that at all in the speech on the 20th. No, that's right. I had sort of my hopes were initially raised to thank the Obamas very graciously for easing the transition. Um, but what I thought was really interesting was the emphasis that they put on the smooth transition of power. Now, I mean, this is in, in, a, in an advanced Western democracy. This is just an administrative process. It's not, um, <laughs> you know, it's not something you need to really celebrate. It's something you, mm. you take for granted. Mm. Um, whereas. You know, yeah, I, I think Trump realizes, and this is the impression I got from the speech, that he's better in the fight than having won the fight. Um, so it was just hitting all those points again, talking about how Washington had grown rich at the expense of ordinary um, Americans. Um, a lot of, you know, it really he started off with a salvo against the city that they were in, um, the capital. Um, you know, the, 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 the civil servants. Um, the bureaucracy, um, the elite again, mm. Mm. Um, and and yeah, and I, I, I think that's right. He, he talked about bringing jobs back to America, but but then you know, really in, in quite um, quite explicit terms, saying we're going to put America first. You know, we we, we respect our allies, um, but they haven't been pulling their pulling their weight. I mean, mm. it was still a very combative speech, I mm. thought. Mm. Um, although, you know, those, those were the points that got the, the biggest cheers from the crowd. And did you talk to many people in the crowd when you were sort of milling around the, the metro stations of Washington? Um, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't say it was a sort of scientific survey. Um, I, I found that, you know, I, I don't think Americans are much different from New Zealanders or anyone else in that a lot of them, you know, don't can't really articulate why they like uh, Donald Trump any more than New Zealanders could really articulate why they admired John Key. Mm. You know, they'd normally fall back on a couple of sort of talking points. You know, he tells it like it is. He's a successful businessman. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, when they tried to get a bit more detailed, it just it totally didn't match up to, you know, even the way that Trump would describe himself. You know, they would say he'd, you know, he'll work 18-hour days. He'll... Um, he'll never take holidays. Now, this is a guy who said that he wanted weekends off mm. um, as president. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there, there wasn't a great sort of depth or debate in there. You know, there were a lot of roadside arguments between protesters holding signs and people wearing Trump caps. And, you know, but, but they, they didn't sort of elevate anything beyond kind of middle school <laughs> sort of, you know. Trump supporters yelling at protesters or, you know, if white people are racist, then you're a racist and I'm a racist and the protesters yelling back, you are a racist. Um, it, it, it wasn't, a, it, there, was, there was no great contest of ideas happening, I don't think. And what about the following day on the Women's March that you went to where the crowd was bigger and the mood was different, how? 
Uh, much more upbeat. I mean, part of that is because I guess it was an active event um, rather than just watch, watching a sort of um, a, you know, passively a ceremony. Mm. Um, you know, huge crowd, uh, everyone extremely engaged, um, incredibly positive mood, um, I, I found. You know, a lot of people angry, obviously, but a, a real sort of sense of solidarity, community, um, you know, which you don't often see on um, protest marches to, to that extent. Um, yeah, it, it was... Um, Do you, you go know, on protest marches very often, though, Ben Thomas? When was the last time you went on a protest march? Um, and look, yes, <laughs> during, during, during my life, <laughs> as a student, um, as a, as, you know, when I was a journalist, I've, I've been in and at a lot of protest marches. Right. Um, and, and it really was quite an extraordinary atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And you're off to New York next, is that right? Yeah, just going to detox from politics for a while, I think. You're going to, but you're going to be just still doing some more fact finding, some hard work on the ground. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Charting the US's geopolitical and ideological future. Excellent. Well, we look forward to hearing more about um, those findings, those learnings, uh, when you return to New Zealand. Thank you very much for joining us, Ben Thomas. All right. Cheers. That was Ben Thomas, uh, direct from Washington DC in the United States of America. Uh, thanks for joining us in this special one-off podcast. We'll return to normal business on Gone by Lunchtime very soon. If you want to listen to our other stable of podcasts, have a look at thespinoff.co.nz slash podcasts with an S on the end. Thanks, Jose Barbosa, the producer. I'm Toby Manhire. Talk soon. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.